Ah, yes, the sound of rain. We've needed rain so desperately here, and it's so fulfilling to hear the sounds of rain on this lovely evening that I'm recording this nature sound. Hope there is rain in your area. Hope you're getting rain soon. Glad that we're entering this fall season with some some more rain. So excited to see the growth moving forward. Hope you are too. Hello folks, this is Amy Glatley of the Prairie Ramblings podcast, joining in with the Kansas Rural Center presenting a series on soil health. Today, Charlotte will be joining me from the Kansas Rural Center and also our guest today, Donna Pearson-Miglish from the Common Ground Mobile Market. Donna, we are happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yay. Um, Yeah, I've been doing some research on the Common Ground Mobile Market and all the programs y'all are doing and uh, it's just fantastic work over there. Um, what is your uh, personal history within agriculture? Do you have family history or um, are you currently farming or what's your relationship there? Well, yes to both questions. We are, have family farming history. We're the largest urban farm, black owned farm in the area. Uh, my parents purchased the farm in 1968. So my brothers have been farming until um, after my parents passed on. Um, and I'm just writing a narrative for a grant today that's due really quickly. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling the story about our parents, um, how my father uh, initiated the mobile market years and years ago because he would gather the farmers and they would put the food on the truck and he'd go to the community and they'd buy it. And my mother was a community advocate that um, went to the community and she liked to do surveys and all that kind of data-driven you know, stuff. And yeah. she'd ask, um, what are you gonna do when there are no more grocery stores in your area? So today we are looking at food deserts that do not have grocery stores. And we're looking at our family that is providing fresh, healthy produce to some of those areas. So prophetic, uh, yes, uh, timely. Yes, but that I just wrote that they were a team that was before their time. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing to see that happening also at that time in a community and to see that early um, development happening is really yes. awesome to hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So have what regenerative practices have you impl implemented on your farm? Well, my brother does. David does the farming. Um, he says he likes to ride on his tractor and he doesn't like to deal with a lot of people like farmers. Yes. So I do the public relations and all of that for Common Ground and Pearson's Family Farms. And he does the farming. Uh, we were on a farm tour recently and he uh, informed me and the other uh, participants that the land is still virgin, that we've not used herbicides or pesticides on the land. So wow. My dad was also kind of the regenerative farmer years ago um, that kept the land in its natural form. And um, we can see that um, the process of regeneration of the soil and, and, and all that that encompasses is really good, uh, a really good concept for farmers now that need to be taught to farmers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's become a, you know, it's the soil regeneration. It's a regenerative practice, but I also see mm -hmm. it as like, it's regeneration for everybody, right? Oh, it's yeah. like regeneration of the culture of the times of the soil of the practices. Um, and yeah, it's just all encompassing and really, really awesome to hear. That is so cool. Also about you know, yeah, how many places, you know, in the Midwest 
haven't been sprayed ever. That's... No, we've not been sprayed and we're not, and we're close to a field. I'm not sure that we get any runoff from there, but it it's, right. doesn't seem to have affected the farm or the animals. So yeah, yes, we have been blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are there more, you're, it sounds like you're doing crops as well as animals. What's the livestock on the farm? We have sheep, goats, chickens. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Ducks. Yeah. So Donna, I've always pictured your farm as being urban. Um, is it kind of like on the outskirts of the Wichita area? Because that, now I'm hearing sheep and I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay, that wasn't in my picture. So, well, so yeah, where are you and how are you doing? We that? are, <laughs> we are, uh, if you're familiar with Wichita at K96 that goes east and west and Hillside, well, you know where Wichita State University is. We're two miles north of Wichita State University. So we're right in the heart of the city because when my parents bought the farm, it was nothing, there were nothing but fields around us. So the city has grown around us and we're down at the end of a dirt road where you can't go any further. And um, in our little corner, we've been hidden for so many years. So we're still down in our little corner and we're grandfathered in for agriculture. So we have goats and animals and there's no, there's no, um, there's no houses around us. We're, we can see the highway from the house, but the closest residents, well, there is a resident down the street, but there's no, there's not a lot of residential around us. We're near the city yard. And so we're just in this little corner and, and people say, well, I can't find you. And there's only one way to turn down the street. And then when they come to the the end of the pavement they said well there's nothing down there but if you keep going down the dirt road we're right down at the end of the dirt road so we're still on the dirt road as farmers <laughs> that's awesome i'm gonna have to come check it out sometime when i'm down there in wichita next let me know yeah let me know yes so do you have so you have this common ground mobile market but you also have your family farm right? Mm -hmm. Two separate entities. Um, Do you, when, do you have a farm stand? How do you, what do you do with the farm produce? Do you sell at markets? Do you bring it to the mobile market? What's the correlation? Well, all the produce goes through the mobile market that people don't come to the farm to purchase. Sometimes people do come like they get greens and sweet potatoes and they come out and my brother David uh, is there to help them in the evenings. But most of the produce, as well as the produce from our farmers, uh, goes on the mobile market daily, and it is distributed to food desert and food insecurity areas. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. What are the neighborhoods that you bring the mobile market into? Well, we... um, Originally, we're in Cedric, Harvey, and Butler counties. We serve uh, 30, about 30 senior locations in District 1 in Wichita. Well, no, I take that back. We serve um, 20, 30, about 30 locations in Wichita, Cedric County. In Wichita, there's six districts, and we serve all of the districts uh, other than District 2. So we serve one district, one, three, four, five, and six. We have locations in each of those district areas uh, of senior residences or multi-use residences, residential uh, facilities and units where there's high rises, there's single unit uh, senior housing, um, and it's usually income driven. And um, so the produce goes out daily on the truck and we set up either inside or outside of the the residence and um, set up the table. They come pick out their produce. And the the system has changed significantly since we started in 2014. My grandson and I started and we would weigh the produce and set up the scale and do all of that. But now I have staff and they've so generously changed how we do things. So Randy is my program advisor. So when he goes out, he has a system where we don't weigh it anymore. We just have 
there's a dollar an item or there's so much a pound. For example, when we go to Oakland uh, next Saturday, we'll do a dollar a pound. And we will have, uh, we will move four or five, maybe 600 pounds of produce uh, wow. for families to come get a dollar a pound produce. Wow. So yeah, we make the prices affordable so people can have access to fresh, healthy food. That's right. the goal. Right. Amazing. Amazing work. Yes. Love this. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see the the systems change and evolve and in all mm -hmm. the different ways, you know, and um, there's this reminds me of a similar program that happens here called Growing Food, Growing Health, and they um, do one or two markets in town. So it's really cool to see this happening on a really large scale throughout the whole entire city. Um, and also, yeah, really love that you're highlighting the senior population, um, making it accessible, going to them, making their trips just easier, I think is, is amazing. Yeah. Um, so kind of back into farming, uh, what made you want to change the way you were farming or begin farming in this particular way? Um, I had nothing to do with the farming, to be truthful. My yeah. brother does it. And he has, he is, um, he is a, um, he's just like my dad. And so his love of farming, he's, he's a clone, basically. He's, he got that from my dad and he's kept up his practice, my dad's practices all these years. I have another brother that is an urban farmer in St. Louis. And years ago, he used to t tell us about organic farming. So now we're seeing those types of things evolve. And I'd kind of look back and say, you know, we were talking about this a long time ago. I'm the oldest of 12 and there are 11 of us living. So um, the brothers, they do the farming. I do kind of do the networking and all of that. But I've seen the, the evolution of the ideas of the farming farmers in our families come about uh, throughout this process. And it's been, it's been really exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it takes a village to run a farm and oh, absolutely. sometimes that absolutely. can just be a family, you know, plus a yes. village, you mm -hmm. know, and that's really cool to see. Yeah. To see people want to continue the intergenerational farming. Cause I think you see that a lot as like, oh, my kids don't want to take over the farm this year. And, you know, I think that there's, it depends on the dynamic of the farm and how things are and how um, farming can be more of a way of a life for a family than a job. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest barrier um, to using these methods of farming? Um and what ultimately made it possible for you to use these, use these methods in farming? Um, yeah. I think the, one of the barriers is just change. People, um, when you do things differently, it just takes, uh, it takes a certain amount of time for, for others to adjust to the change. Um, and I don't, we probably... Oh, had we been, we've been kind of a well-hidden secret for all of these years. Had we been um, exposed earlier, I, I really don't think we would have had the impact that we have right now it's because, time, you know, God's timing is critical. And so the timing for us to step into this space uh, at this, at this moment after COVID after all the things that are going on in our society and in our country. I think it's just our time to do what we've been purposed to do. So that's how it's working. The barriers are, uh, I'm an ur urban, I call myself an urban agriculturist. And one of the barriers has been the, the uh, inability for powers that be, government sources to shift from traditional agriculture to thinking about urban agriculture. From big ag, traditional ag, to small scale growers, to 
well, what are you going to do? How, how, how is that going to look? Uh, what does it look growing around concrete? What does it look not growing 2,500 acres of soybeans and corn and all yes. of that? So I think the biggest, the biggest challenge and barrier has been uh, creating a space for that mindset to shift. And, uh, and in USDA, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, they're becoming more receptive. We were in 2020, we were one of the seven recipients across the nation for, for the Urban Agricultural Implementation Grant. Mm. So that was a launch for us. Um, and since then, we've just we've just kind of come out of hiding. Um, that was yeah. our exposure time. So yeah, yeah, it's congratulations. It's, it's <laughs> Thank you. Congrats. Yeah, you've you've the hard so much hard work has been put in. And I can really see that. And yeah, um, you deserve the reward. Yeah. And yeah, I also saw that you're um, affiliated within the Black Farmer Coalition and was curious on, yeah, how you're involved in that and what, um, if that's also helped your growth, getting involved in that. And um, yeah, I just don't know much about that organization and curious. The Kansas Black Farmers Association. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, we've been members of the, the association for several years and, um, um, it has, the, the Kansas Black Farmers has grown as we've grown together, uh, in our spaces to impact, um, the communities and to, to, um, put, shed a light on the plight of, um, underserved socially disadvantaged farmers. The Kansas Black Farmers Association has a um, uh, traditional ag rural uh, concept because they're in Nicodemus and their farmers grow large um, plots of land, whereas we're urban. So we kind of complement each other um, and we do trainings together. Matter of fact, we're just, we're going to the Professional Agricultural Workers Conference in Montgomery, Alabama uh, with the, the Kansas awesome. Black Farmers Association. So yes, we work together to get things done for Black farmers across the country. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there, um, do you have any resources for other potential Black farmers who want to be a part of the coalition? Do you yes. have, like, yeah, how can people get involved? Uh, they can uh, do uh, kbfa.org. Um, Kansas Black Farmers has a training grant. Um, they can also contact us at uh, commongroundpg.com where we can um, direct them to Kansas Rural Center, the Kansas Farmers Union, uh, our Kansas State University, those types of entities that can help them. Um, there's, a there's a plethora of resources out there for farmers. And NRCS and FSA, they are ramping up their uh, support of farmers. And um, there is, so if they if they just reach out, we'll get them pointed in the right direction. Awesome, great. On that uh, note, I have a question. Do you have any advice for farmers that might've been discouraged by working with FSA in the past? Do you think things are turning around or, or what's your feeling on that? I think FSA is trying to turn things around, but again, that's another big shift, ship in the ocean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're, we're, they're, they're working on it. They're working diligently. Um, I know Mr. Dennis is um, aware of the issues Dennis McKinney, yes, he is our state, yeah, state FSA, FSA person. He's aware of the issues. He attended our conference with Kansas Farmers Union last year. And uh, they, uh, NRCS, FSA, the agencies are aware of the issues of black farmers. Um, but I think what we have to do now is we have to handle our complaints differently. 
uh, and I don't know, you may not have been around or old enough to know Pigford versus Glickman. It was a national uh, lawsuit with, with black farmers. Um, we now have to, we now have to make sure that we are available and we are sitting at the tables that make the decisions before we get to the point of why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? It's inequitable. We have to be at the table. And I've discovered that being at some of these tables is uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes I'm the only minority person and then being a minority woman, a farmer, um, you know, you get these glances like, where did you come from? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, you you, you got a place at the table and uh, we, that's how we can make our voices heard before we get to the point where it's just not workable and we have to sit down in a courtroom. I believe that. I believe there's there's a way to do that before we get to that point. I might post some links to well, obviously what you've mentioned, but if there's any other like advocacy groups that you might recommend people get involved in if they do want a seat at the table, um, maybe like Kansas Appleseed, they just wrote a story about um, like what it takes to run for office and that sort of thing. Mm. Okay. Right off the top of my head, um, I really would like for people to join the Kansas Farmers Union. Um, in 2016, the Kansas Farmers Union launched Common Ground, and we've been family partners ever since. Uh, that's a great platform because not only do you uh, work with the Kansas Farmers Union, you have the, the opportunity to work on the national level for policy. So when we go to the National Farmers Union as a policy delegate, we have input on what goes into the farm bill. And that's one of my favorite times uh, at the conference is working on policy. So um, Kansas Farmers Union, Kansas Black Farmers Association, the Land Institute, we have a um, test plot of Kernza grain with the Land Institute. Amazing. Um, uh, who else? K-State, a horticulturist. Uh, there's a, just a plethora of resources out there. Yeah, important. Yeah, you're making me think today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, love to see how you, involved you were um, within, yeah, the, the houses, like the state houses, um, especially as somebody who understands the farm work and also is doing both. I think that that's um, really awesome to see that being represented. Um, so thank you for doing that time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so moving back to um, our previous question about barriers and what has been possible for farming has this method gone how you expected and were there any setbacks? Method of regenerative farming? Yeah, methods of um, funding and like how it was possible for y'all to um, have the farm. Um, like, did that go as expected? And did you have any setbacks throughout um, your farm, your family farm? Well, we've had setbacks, um, but... I, I think when when I left uh, and moved to Missouri, my brothers kept the farm no matter what. And I applaud them for that. As a matter of fact, um, we bought, my brother's been using my dad's equipment. So last year we bought him a new tractor. And, um, and so upgrading the infrastructure of the farm and all of that, has been a um, a joy to me because I appreciate the fact that they held on to the land. There's not a lot of black families that have still have their forty acres mm -hmm. from slavery or when it was when it was given to them. So I just appreciate them from being for being diligent to no matter what happened and the sacrifice they made for the for their families to hold on to the land until we got to this point 
where, you know, we could, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to move forward. And I appreciate them for just, just being diligent in that. Um, there's barriers because of color. There's barriers. Now, one of the things we have never done, and my dad did not believe in it, was uh, borrowing money. So we have not had the discriminatory um, uh, experience with farms. Um, he always said that you would work and pay for it and pay for what you had. Uh, so my brothers have not encumbered any debt with the farm whatsoever. So that's a tremendous blessing. So now when we use our, get our grant funds in and get our funding and our donation, it goes directly to building the infrastructure of the farm, building the infrastructure of common ground so we can do more with what we have. Awesome. Yeah, once again, it's just that, like the steadfast of the generation being able mm -hmm. to, to really hold true because in farming, it's hard when you're, you know, right now I feel like we can be like, oh yeah, these last 10 years, but when you're in it and you're having, like we had that major heat wave that we're oh, probably yeah. going to remember for the next 10, 20, 50 years. And maybe there will be more heat waves. And it's like in the time, it's really easy to just be like, I can't do this. This is mm -hmm. hard. This is and this and having all those challenges and to be able to, yeah, have see the light at the end of the tunnel and have the perseverance and have the support to be able to keep going is, is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How would you like to see agriculture and food, food systems overall change in the next decade? I would like to see everyone that needs food have access to fresh, healthy food and proteins at an affordable cost to everyone and our farmers being paid a really, really, really good wage for what they do. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'd also, I'd also like to see less, a decrease in imports and an increase in community-driven, community farmer-led production I, and I don't and I think that's that's what I'd like to see but I think that's what we're really going to be seeing in the next few years because we COVID taught us that the disruption in the supply chain you may not be able to get bananas avocados um, all that you know mangoes but if a farmer can feed his community we can eat. Uh, we believe uh, there's a there's a, a saying that my son says, my oldest son. He says, "Mama, you have to understand that everybody eats. No, no one gets all of it. Everybody shares, and everybody sits at the table and eats." So, with that being said, if we can, we will get to the point where we will have farmers growing for their communities and supporting their communities and. The communities supporting the farmers with their dollars, improving the local economy. I've got this huge dream, and I know it's going to happen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, so, in ten years, I think that's before that time. I think that's where we'll be because we will be. We are being forced to adjust to the food system, and I say all the time. We can no longer put our all of our eggs in one basket. Food banks have done what they've done. I applaud them. However, if there's a disruption in the food chain supply, grocery stores are disrupted. Food banks get their food from grocery stores in those kinds of places. There's going to be a disruption. So we've got to grow for our communities. We've got to grow on our farm. So when people need food, they can come out to the farm and get their food. That's just it. Yes. Yes, 100%. So that's yeah. my soapbox for today. <laughs> well, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I, yeah, I think um, the the whole idea of community care, I think, is really just what really stands out to me in that, yeah, it's not something we can do alone. Farming has never been anything we can do alone. And yeah, it takes a village to run a village. That's and right. yeah. So may I use your frame, community care. I like that. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Yeah. Community care on Community all fronts. Community care. That's right. Yeah. Um, how do you see the, your, I mean, this kind of adds to the question, but how do you see the mobile market changing? I know um, I saw that you guys added the senior first program just a couple of years during COVID and um, what other expansions or potential changes you could see in the future for the mobile market as well. Well, we've, we've re recently received a grant with Kansas Rural Center, mm -hmm. local food productions program. So we've expanded to this 12 county corridor uh, down I-35 on either side of uh, I-35 from Wichita to Salina. We were serving Salina last year. So we're ramping up serving Salina and all of that area. This year we've included uh, three of those areas, Burton, Clearwater and Goddard. As a matter of fact, we're going to Goddard on Sunday and Goddard is ready to get their farmers together um, in within a few months so we can start talking to them about their community care. That's what I'm going to name it, community care. Thank you. Thank Yay. you. Yes. Um, and um, so we've got that one. And then we're awaiting two other awards. Um, one that uh, when awarded will take us to the eastern border of the state. Uh, my goal is to serve all 105 counties with the mobile market in the next maybe two, three years, if not sooner. So that's cool. what we see on the horizon. Yeah. So do you... Your family farm is 40 acres or so, you said. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it all in production or um, what's the what's the turnover with the vegetables there? We, we may have an acre, acre and a half of vegetables. Um, oh, no, we, we'd have to have so much help if we had all 40 acres. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I was wondering. I was like, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, about two acres in vegetables. But we're increasing our farmer, um, our farm, our grower network yeah. significantly. So that will uh, uh, free up my brother David to do less of the farming. And we're looking at putting some other farmers on the farm with their equipment uh, and they can do farming on our farm. So we're just kind of getting this community together yeah. And farmers that don't have land and want to to farm, they can come out and put up a high tunnel or something and do their farming on the land. So we're looking at that. And um, we're also looking at the, um, as the network of growers increases, then um, we can expand our, our, um, our visibility uh of who, of who we're serving so this year we had we we jumped oh increased our farmers um i think we've got about 30 farmers working with us now so we as we increase that product that production we can increase uh, the number of people we serve so awesome. did i answer your question absolutely okay yeah it um what you're talking about reminds me for your family farm reminds me of an incubator farm um mm -hmm. there's an incubator farm actually called common ground here in uh, north lawrence and then i think there's another one in kansas city um okay. and those have been really interesting and really great models um but what i think would be really great for your space is that you have experience and you have tools and a lot of incubator farms are like here's cheap land and a shed and it's like, what do I have? Anything <laughs> else? Yeah, that's, like, that's yeah, right, that's right. You know, like right. I get, I understand no till, but it's really hard to start no till. Like that's really difficult if anybody's done that. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah. the ground is usually so hard, yeah. um, just from not being worked at all or having grass mm -hmm. or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I think that that sounds like a really awesome opportunity for folks to be able to utilize the space and, um learn from people who have been doing it so successfully for so long. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, there is, you have this saying, um, I was just reading that no, what do you say? All no are farmer, fed. 
All are fed. Yeah. No one is hungry. Nobody, no one's hungry. All are fed. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I see that applying to farmers also, I'm guessing. Yes. Because yes. I know from my own experiences, yeah, like farmers can be growing so many fruits and vegetables, but yet they're still on food stamps or yet they can't do this or that, you know? And I think that that's a really, um, really important intersection to be able to accommodate um, when you're working with farmer folks. Yeah. And, and um, I've discovered in sitting down and talking with people at different tables that our underserved farm, most of our farmers that are growing food, I would classify as underserved. Yeah. Because they have to go out to work uh, off the farm or to, to supplement their income. They cannot make a living just by farming. Socially disadvantaged, I understand color, race, but underserved, we've got a nation full of underserved farmers. So, um, and that's when I look at, um, when, I, when I look at what our farmers need, they need money to operate up front. Uh, I was in a session the other day and they said, well, what, what, are you, what are your needs? And I said, but you're asking us to grow food and you don't give us any money to do anything with. Uh, but traditional ag gets all of these subsidies. Yeah. So I suggest that you we start sharing those subsidies so we can have some operational money up front. Yeah. So you can imagine how that kind of went over with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be cheering in the background, you know. But, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. And I mean, it's ecstatic to hear that you are bringing these conversations up at these yes. you know, big tables that not everybody agrees with you. Cause that's, that's where right. it's the seed, you know, it's the seed. That's that it. Starts... It's the seed. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Somebody's yeah. listening. Somebody's yeah. Listening. Somebody's yeah. listening, whether they say it or not. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But like, pay attention to the farm bill, everybody. It's that's so right. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. they're trying, and they're trying to X us out of the farm bill. You know. So come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, yeah, just super important work. Yeah. Um. So, what information would you tell a farmer or producer that is just beginning to transition toward or to start regenerative practices? I tell him to start start really small. Um, I mean, you have big ideas, but you've got to start somewhere. I'd also ask him to mentor or partner with somebody that's already uh, doing regenerative farming. Shadow, look look to see what it's what's being done before you jump out there, and then you know, kind of say, okay, well. Uh, you know, I, maybe I need to start here or I need to start at this point. For some of us, we just kind of jump out. And I have I have a tendency when someone asks me to do something, I have a tendency to say yes. And then I think, oh, I should have thought about this. I should have thought about that. So I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, but but to, to um, go to an incubator farm and ask if there's space go to somebody that's already already redoing regenerative farming call your extension agents call your conservationist and say what do i need to do um so you can have an idea of not only what the time it takes to do it but the cost yeah i would ask them to mentor and partner with someone that's already doing it before they launched out to do it themselves yeah i love that advice um I have worked on farms myself and been a farmer for many years and identify as a farmer, um, which I just have a small incubator spot now. And there's a couple people out there who went from gardening to then having an incubator farm. And they're like, ah, you know, <laughs> there's a huge difference between gardening and farming. It is. <laughs> even, it is. Even a quarter of an acre. I have a quarter of an acre and it takes me all my time, you know, yes. and it's like, yeah, I think that's great advice because there are so many people. You just have to find the little niche in the community that relates to you. And 
usually they need volunteers or usually they need seasonal help or this or that. And even working for a farm for a, I've worked for a CSA bag before. That mm-hmm. was great. Worked one day a week and my pay was a CSA bag. It was awesome, you know, and um, things like that, I think, are are important um, just to get out there and see if it's if you are down for the sweat. <laughs> That's right. My dad had community garden spots. So he would uh, let people come in and grow their, you know, mark out their little plot and do community gardening. And and people, I have to tell them, uh, they, they call us all the time. And I know they do Charlotte. I know they do KRC all the time. Well, we want to grow a garden or we want to do this or we want to plant something or we're going to do this. And I tell them, I said, You have to understand that when you plant a bean seed, you get more than one bean. You don't just get one bean, you get beans. Yes. (laughs) So so I don't know what this concept is that we're just going to plant this and it's going to come up and we're not going to have to do anything. No, dear. The work comes after you planted the seed. Yes. So. Yeah. The seed is the start. The seed is the start. Start. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dry beans especially. Gosh, I've definitely like been like, oh yeah, plant a bunch of beans. And it's like, wow, looks like we're having a threshing party, you know? And and I think it it all circles back to like you can't you can't grow dry beans and grow it on a small scale, try and like some people are trying to not use like fossil fuels. You can't do all of that without multiple people. Like it's not That's right. It's to- you- absolutely not possible. Like Cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Um, there's been a fun resurgence of flax uh, for fiber. Um, one of the incubator mm. farmers is growing flax for fiber, and that's another fun project where they can't um, they can't do it on their own. They can't process it on their own. It takes too much time. Um, oh my goodness! I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like we've, um, I made a note of resources for um, beginning farmers, um, but I feel like we've already kind of talked about a lot of resources. Um, But if there's any other that you can think of specifically for people beginning, um, I know that there's the beginning farmer, what is that called? There's a beginning farmers institute by the National Farmers Union, Yes, but our local resource go-to is Kansas Rural Center. Thank you, they Don. have the resources. <laughs> I was looking at their um at your the KRC newsletter and uh Salina um uh one of our uh partners in Salina is wanting to um be authorized for SNAP. And I saw on their SNAP resource, I said that's it right there. Click. Right. Click right there. I sent it to him, told him to click. But we just received our SNAP reauthorization and it was quite a an ordeal. And I've never I've never gone through that. As long as we've had SNAP, I've never gone through the process because they thought we were a brick and mortar store. And mm. I could not convince them that I am not a brick and mortar store. I am a mobile market. Well, we don't we don't know about mobile markets. I said, okay, so let's, so finally my, um, my uh, person, my contact person said, I'm new to this. So we'll walk through this together. We'll learn together. I said, okay, that's good. So that's what we had to do. But yeah, uh, the mobile market is a, is a different concept. And, but KRC is the go-to for all kinds of resources across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I looked at that resource part of the newsletter and I thought, this is amazing. This is amazing. So shout out to KRC. Yay. Important resources we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, we're getting to the end of our conversation here. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add here, Donna? Um, or any additional lessons that you want to share with the folks listening? One uh, one thing I'd like to share is when you start, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the process is, keep going because you'll see it'll get better. 
you'll be learning lots and you'll be meeting wonderful people. Just keep moving one step at a time. Farming is not easy, but it's doable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Donna. Um, it's you, been Amy. such a pleasure talking with you today. Yeah. Yes. I'm just Thanks, overjoyed. Charlotte. Yeah. Thank you, Charlotte, for inviting <laughs> me to El Top. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have one last question. Um, I also saw that Common Ground is doing a next gen farmer program. Um, yes. What does this look like? What is this program like? Well, we hire um, the city of Wichita has way to work youth workers. They pay for the summer and um, we hire them for the mobile market. So they learn social skills, soft skills. They learn to count money. They learn the way produce. They learn identification of produce. They learn where their food comes from. Randy Couts is their supervisor. He's a program advisor. He supervises it and he is so really good with the youth. Um, and we had this year, something happened to their software. And so everybody's name either got erased or misplaced or something. So we only had one youth that we worked with this year. But another of the youth from the year before called and said he wanted to work with Randy on the mobile market. And he also wants to become, to go in the culinary. So we've, uh, we've aligned with uh, Redler Culinary at Butler County Community College and, and uh, niche, 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 the WSU Culinary College. We're going to we're going to send our students to those uh, those colleges at when they're old enough to go through the mobile market to for their culinary um, um, education. And also we have a culinary coordinator that goes into the senior living spaces and teaches them how to cook with their commodities. So we've got this culinary piece coming in here that we had no idea would be coming. Uh, and we've got youth workers that want to work. And the and then there's an additional, um, what I'm really excited about this, Southeast High School has the largest FFA program in the state of Kansas. So that's my workforce for this year, for this wow. next year. I'm wow. going to use those FFA students to work at the mobile market and work the farm. That's my workforce. Yes. So yes, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm glad I asked this question and I'm glad you brought it up because I was wondering, um, yeah, I know that as, you know, food systems has developed and we're seeing all of this um, and the intersection of, okay, so people get fresh food. Okay. So they get the food. Now what? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a really big step that we're we're walking into is, okay, here's a cooking class. Here's some recipe right. cards. Here's a simple thing you can make. Because mm -hmm. um, generally folks, if they haven't ever gotten a cabbage before, they're not going to know what the heck to do with a cabbage. And sometimes right. you can get a five pound cabbage or something, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's really so, yeah, awesome. So yeah. We're going to be teaching them. Um, the farm is becoming an educational space. So we're going to do farmer education and um, just farm tours and things like that. Um, and uh, we have this huge tree that everybody comes and sits under. It's our happy place. So if you want to come and sit under the tree, you can. Any, just let me know, Charlotte and Amy. We'll come and sit under the tree and have a cup of coffee or iced tea or something. Lovely. Sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. Yes. Lovely. Well, um, what is a good way for folks to reach out to Common Ground if they want to get involved? What is, um, where can folks find you? They can find us on the website, commongroundpg.com, and there's a contact form that they can fill out. Uh, they can email me at Donna at commongroundpg.com, or the regular email address is commongroundpg at gmail.com. Um, uh, Randy, our program advisor, 
He's uh, available for questions and answers. He is, um, let me see, what is his email? I'll tell you. rcouts, R-C-O-U-T-S dot C-G at gmail.com. rcouts, C-O-U-T dot C-G at gmail.com. Got it. And yeah. Awesome. We can put that in the show notes. Okay. Donna? Yes. Are you comfortable with this information being shared publicly? I forgot to ask this in the beginning. Oh, yes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you Me too. too. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. Um, I'm Amy Glatley, and I have been joined today by Charlotte of the Kansas Rural Center and Donna pearson Miglish of the Common Ground Mobile Market. Um Thank you, Donna and Charlotte, for joining today. Um, there is a noteworthy event coming up. Um, there is the Kansas Rural Center Annual Conference, which is this November 10th and 11th, which is in Topeka, Kansas. Um, there are scholarships available for students and LBGTQ and BIPOC community members as well. Uh, more information is on their website. Um, you can find us on social media to continue our conversations. Um, I'm personally on Instagram at Prairie Ramblings Podcast, um, and my friends at the Kansas Rural Center are at Kansas Rural Center on Instagram, as well as kansasruralcenter.org. Um, if you enjoyed the show today, please rate and review on your podcast app or subscribe. Um, and we have a couple more episodes in this soil, in this soil podcast series. So stay tuned and thanks all for listening.